Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live episode of the Chronicles of Agoon Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90 Min Football family. And on today's episode, I wanted to kind of continue to react to what we saw last night in Eindhoven. I think Mikel Arteta's come in for some really, really unfair criticism with regards to his treatment of those three young players that, of course, made the trip over to Eindhoven. We're talking about Walters, we're talking about Lino Sosa, and we're talking, of course, about Ethan Waneri. We'll get into that in a little bit. I also want to talk about Arsenal's left-back situation. Now, on the surface of it, you might think, left-back, we're really well stocked there. We've got Takahiro Tomiyasu, who can play in that position. We've got Alexander Zinchenko, who was a game-changer for Arsenal during the last campaign. We've got Jurian Timber to come back from injury, and we've been using Jakub Kivior in that position. So as wild as this might sound, I think we still have a problem there. I really, really do. And we'll come on to exactly why in a little bit. We'll break down the four options that we do currently have, even though two of them, of course, are currently unavailable. We'll discuss that. We'll discuss what each option brings to the table. And then I'll summarise, I guess, why I feel that Arsenal, despite having an array of options in that position actually do have a problem at left back. And it's a problem that could cost us and could cost us quite dearly, in my opinion. Uh, big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat box. I can see that there are plenty of you with us. Uh, big hello uh, to Thierry Omri, not the real one. Uh, we've got Ebube, uh, we've got Crypto, we've got Hacker, we've got Jan Tora, we've got Adair joining us. Cesar is with us. Uh, Richie is here. We've got William Young. We've got Stan the Man. We've got Evan. We've got lots and lots of you with us. So if you could please leave a like on the video, that would really, really help if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening on any of the audio, audio platforms, then please do subscribe there and leave us a review as well. That really, really does help. I'll start then with the criticism that Mikel Arteta has faced off the back of the PSV Eindhoven game, which I think is grossly unfair. I can't get my head around why some people are so angry about this. I understand why people might disagree with the way that Mikel Arteta opted to use senior players um, from the bench rather than using some of the youngsters. I understand why people would look at someone like Cedric Suarez and think no future at this football club. Why has he got a game ahead of one of those youngsters? I get that. I really, really do. But I don't think it warrants or justifies some of the anger and some of the nonsense I've seen said about Mikel Arteta uh, since last night's game. So, first of all, on the Cedric Suarez point, I get it, right? He isn't a part of this um, setup moving forward. He's someone that's at the club, probably partly because we can't get rid. Um, maybe he's being used in a bit of a Rob Holding role, if you like, which is to help young players along on their path, to help them grow, um, you know, to make up numbers in training. I don't know. We, we signed him up on a four-year contract. So, you know, it's going to be difficult to move someone like Cedric on if there's not really that much interest in him. But whatever you say about Cedric Suarez, and I know a lot of us, you know, have looked at him in the past and said not good enough. I know a lot of us have felt that he's been culpable at certain moments. Um, over recent seasons and all the rest of it. But he is an experienced professional, an experienced former Portuguese international who's been in the Premier League for years. He's played in continental tournaments and all the rest of it. He is less of a risk in a game like that than an, a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old that's not even played a senior game. 
That is fact. Whether you want to accept that or not is another thing. And I understand that in the long term, you're probably going to gain more from playing the young kid. But first of all, you, you know, Mikel Arteta had a game to go out and try and win. And yes, it was a dead rubber. But as I mentioned in the post-match podcast that we did last night, there is no way that Mikel Arteta would want us to suffer two back-to-back defeats ahead of a really important run of games coming up. We've got the game coming up against Brighton at the weekend, and then we go to Anfield. In 10 days' time, we go to Anfield. That is going to be one hell of a test. That is going to be one hell of a toss. You need your confidence levels to be as high as they can possibly be going into a game like that. Losing a second game, I think, would have been damaging to our psyche. And and I think Robert... um, you know, sums this up brilliantly in the chat. He says it was important not to lose that game last night from a psychological point. Had we been two clear goals up, he'd have brought the kids on with 10 minutes to go. Completely agree. The game state did not allow it. And we touched on this on yesterday's podcast. The reason I'm kind of repeating myself with this and feeling the need to bring it up again is because I cannot believe how many Arsenal fans are genuinely upset about this and angry about this. You might disagree In theory, I probably disagree as well, but it's not something to beat the manager up over, for God's sake. Um, And, you know, this is the problem. We, We get into this space where we look at young players. We say, oh, you know, he's a great prospect. You know, he's someone that, um, you know, could potentially... Um, be a big player for us going forward. How many of them actually turn out to be that? Not a lot. You know, at clubs like Arsenal, that's the reality. At clubs like Arsenal, there will be your outliers, your Bukayo Sackers, your Eddie Inketias, your Emil Smith Rose that do eventually make their way through into um, into the first team. But generally speaking, we are going to go out and buy first team players. That's how it works at the very, very top level. I just think, you know, yes. It's nice to give him a go. Yes, it's nice to give him the opportunity if you can, but not at the expense of the team. People underrate, I think, although it was a dead rubber, what a decent result that was against a really, really good PSV Eindhoven side who have this immaculate record in the Dutch Eredivisie this season. To go there and not get beat, having made eight changes, is actually a testament to the way that Arteta managed the game, but also to the performance of those that did play. I thought Cedric had a few hairy moments in the second half, but in the first half, I thought he was quite solid. Um, And I thought, I always think it's difficult to come into a team that is all sort of mixed up and jumbled about and expect players to just slot into that and be at their brilliant best. Then There's not that familiarity. We talked about the lack of cohesion and all the rest of it. I'm not saying um, that... You know, there's no case for them to have played some part in the game yesterday. But I did say on the show yesterday, and I stick by this, I think that for them to go along and be a part of the travelling group, be a part of the training in preparation for a game like that, and, and all the rest of it is massive in terms of their education. And not just that, but the way that you embed them in the group, their integration within the first team group is obviously helped and assisted by the fact that they were part of the travelling party for an away Champions League game, no matter how significant the game was. Um, Fuad says, less of a risk for what though, H? There are no implications to the result. At what point do we allow and let these talented kids play? I think there are always implications, Fuad, to every result. I think if you lose a second consecutive game when you're used to winning, I think that can have a detrimental effect. I think it can have even the smallest effect, but that small effect could be a difference maker because in the Premier League, we're always talking about the finest of margins. Mikel Arteta 
Had Arsenal gone and won at Aston Villa, maybe would have looked at last night differently. But because we lost, I don't think he thinks from a psychological point of view that you can allow that to then continue. So I think he found the right balance last night between picking a team that was clearly taking into consideration those that need a rest most because they weren't involved, not from the start anyway, but also, um, you know, one that was good enough and well-equipped enough to go on and get a result from Eindhoven. And in the end, like to, to back up the point that Mikel Arteta obviously felt that not losing was important, he brings Declan Rice on, he brings Martin Odegaard on, he even brings on Gabriel Jesus right at the death. You don't risk those players if you don't have any interest in the result. So you or I might not have an interest in the result. And, you know, the result may have no implication on how, um, you know, the group ends and, and where we finish and what it means for us in the next round. Agreed. But to Mikel Arteta, there were implications to the idea and to the potential of losing. And that's why he did what he did. And I think that's his prerogative as the manager, right? And, and again, I'll reiterate the point before we move on from this. I'm not saying that people that think you should have played the youngsters don't have a case. I just can't believe the level of outrage and I can't believe the level of um, vitriol that's been thrown Mikel Arteta's way. Now, most of you guys in this chat box are not doing that, right? Because we've built up a great community of excellent people. But if you scroll through X, social media, Twitter, whatever you call it nowadays, and read some of the comments about Mikel Arteta and his decision not to include those youngsters yesterday, you know, you'll, you will be shocked, man. Like, you'll be shocked. There's some real, real nonsense um, being spouted on there. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Benjamin Brotherson says, the fact that they are traveling means they are training regularly with the first team. And that is good enough for me. Yeah, so they're training at London Colney with the first team. But that's one thing. To go away, I think, on a Champions League trip and experience all the, the things around it, um, does bring you closer together, I think. And I, I do think that's important for their integration. Also, I mentioned it on the pod last night. I think that you want these players to get a taste of it so that they are driven and, you know, more motivated when it comes to getting that opportunity down the line. I do think that we're in a place where we give footballers too much too soon. You know, Ethan Waneri is, what, 16, 17? There's no reason for him to lose sleep over the fact that he was in a Champions League squad but didn't come off the bench. That's the point I'm making, you know, a bit of a bit of patience. Um, O'Malley says, uh, you, you all are tripping. Keeping the first team happy is more important than some kids. And that's another point, right? Mikel Arteta has the balance keeping some of the fringe players in the first team. Your Reese Nelsons, um, for example, your Jorginho's, for example, your Leandro Trossard's, your Eddie Nketiah's. He has to balance keeping those guys happy. And that is more important than keeping those kids happy at this point because who are we going to have to turn to if our season, um, you know, ends up in a certain way? Who are we going to turn to? We're more likely to have to turn to Enketia, given Jesus's injury record. We're more likely to have to turn to someone like Jorginho, to Trossard, um, you know, to Jakob Kivior. Those players need to be prioritised because they are a part of the first team. They're not players that have just been propped up into the first team squad in recent weeks because we're short on numbers. And it's really, really important Um you know, it's really, really important that Mikel Arteta manages the squad that he needs to hopefully go on and win the Premier League, hopefully challenge in the latter stage of the Champions League. And he needs to prioritise that before he prioritises the kids, as I say. Um, it's not like they're at an age where, you know, they're going to start getting agitated or, or, you know, frustrated. You know, they're at a point in their careers where they're very much still learning 
And um, and there's plenty of time for those guys to get their chances and, of course, come good. But anyway, um, we're going to move on from that. We're going to talk about the left-back situation because I think this is a really, really interesting discussion. Don't go anywhere. Listen to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome back along to the show. Right, let's talk about Arsenal's left-back situation. Now, I mentioned in my intro that this might sound like a bit of a strange discussion to be having, and you only need to look at the thumbnail of this episode to see that we've got an array of options in the left-back position, right? Last season... Alexander Zinchenko came in. He was brilliant. Um, he revolutionised the way we played by going into midfield. He added to our creativity. I think at times there were questions over his defensive abilities and defensive capabilities, but he was outstanding. I think at times we've seen Takahiro Tomiyasu last season and this season utilised as a left-back, and he's been outstanding. Jurian Timber is another one that we signed in the summer for relatively big money, who started the season as our left back and looked great. OK, it was a small sample size, but he looked fantastic. And boom, he picks up that long term injury and he's out. We've also seen Jakub Kivior, a central defender that we signed from Spezia, Polish international, um, come in and at times be utilised as a left fullback. If you want to really push it, we've even seen Kai Havertz play at left back for the German national team. Not that I'm suggesting that's an option for us. But the point I'm trying to make is that on paper, it looks like we've got loads of options. And on paper, it looks like a position that will be absolutely fine in. The problem comes when you start picking up injuries, which has obviously happened to us throughout the course of the season so far. Um, you know, we've lost a, a number of players um, and, um, you know, we've lost Zinchenko at points this season. We've lost Tommy Asu at points this season. We've also lost Julian Timber for the long term as well. So all of a sudden, those options look a little bit thinner. Now, I'm not trying to be knee jerk, right? Because I think that what I'm about to say and what I'm about to talk about has been a concern for a lot of Arsenal fans over quite a long period of time now. And my concern is about how we... My concern is about how we cope with the injuries that we have and how we approach certain games when it comes to the left-back position. So home to Wolves, home to Burnley, play with Zinchenko at left-back. You're going to have more of the ball than not. You're going to be in those advanced areas. You're going to get him into the midfield and you're going to more often than not be able to handle the holes that he leaves by pushing Gabriel along, bringing William Saliba inside, using Ben White as well as a third centre-back in certain phases of play, because those guys are all great at playing in one-on-one -on -one situations, at controlling and patrolling spaces and all the rest of it, right? You're fine most of the time, but there are going to be games where you're going to be exposed when you have a clear and obvious weakness in the left fullback position. And that is why, for me, as good as he is on the ball, and it was really, really important when we brought him on, for example, um, you know, against Luton because he helped us to change from a more rigid 
sort of option at left back and a more defensive minded option to someone a bit more creative who could drop into midfield and help us. And hopefully we we find the winner and we, and we did in the end, you know, um, Zinchenko's big like that. He scored a good goal against Wolves or sorry, scored a goal. He scored a goal against Burnley. He created a goal. Uh, against Wolves, playing really, really well and showing what he can do in an attacking sense down the left-hand side. But then you go to places like Aston Villa and it's a problem. It's a problem having Zinchenko there. I think the way he pressed so aggressively in the lead-up to their goal was a sign of as great as he is, as experienced as he is, it was just a sign of how naive he can be at times because his mind is on going forward. His mind is on winning the ball back. His mind is on aggression and and sort of what we can do once we pinch the ball back rather than, you know, going to Villa Park and saying, right, lads, first 20 minutes, let's keep it tight. Let's keep it solid. He's a great player in his own right, but is he always the answer at left back? I don't know that he is. And that's what made it so great that we had, you know, initially Jurian Timber at the start of the season, a player that we thought could fill in that position in the situations where we needed to be a little bit more defensive. Um, and then, of course, we've seen Tommy Asu do that role as well over the last couple of years. And you think, well, great. You know, when we do come to those games um, and Anfield away coming up is one of those games that I've put into this category where you need to be a bit safer, where you need to be um, a little bit more pragmatic and you need your fullback to be a better one-on-one defender. Then you think, right, sorry, Zinni, you're great at what you do, but I need to sacrifice you on this occasion. Um, and, and I think most fans accept that. And I think even he accepts that, you know, he's spoken quite openly about the mistakes that he's made. Uh, he's spoken quite openly about the fact that even in his own mind, he's not the greatest defender. He knows that that's something he could improve on. So if Mikel Arteta was to pull him aside before a game like Liverpool away and say, Zinni, great player, fantastic player. Love what you do for us. Love what you bring on the ball. But I'm going to go with Tommy Asu because I want someone who's a specialist defender to try and keep tabs on Mo Salah, for example, like we saw last season. Then fine. You know, I don't think that Zinchenko would have a problem with that. And I think that's the kind of adaptability that Mikel Arteta was hoping for when he signed Jury and Timber. Um, and obviously he's well aware of Tommy Asu's ability to play there as well. He has tried. He has tried to mirror what he's been able to do with Tommy Asu, who was a fullback, uh, sorry, a centre-back by trade when he arrived and has been essentially converted into someone that's very competent at fullback. He has tried to do what he did with Ben White, bringing someone in who naturally was a central player, but has very, very comfortably transitioned into, um, you know, a, a player that can play fullback to a really, really high standard. He's tried to do that with Jakub Kivior, but it's not working. Jakub Kivior, to me, doesn't look comfortable in that position. He doesn't look comfortable inverting into midfield. And equally, he doesn't look comfortable in one-on-one -on -one situations, playing as a more traditional orthodox fullback. So right now, with Timber still out, although Mikel Arteta said he was flying in his recovery, and with Tommy Asu out, and of course the Asian Cup to come as well, which could see us be without Tommy Asu right up until February, for example, we currently have a problem at left-back. I mean, what would you do? Go into Anfield... Um, on the 23rd of December, you know, what would you do? Zinchenko or Kivior? I think the answer has to be Zinchenko. But does that fill you with confidence going to a place like Anfield? There's a reason that last season, when we played Liverpool at Emirates Stadium, Mikel Arteta went with Tommy Asu 
at left back. He did it because he felt that, um, you know, he needed someone that was a better one-on-one defender to limit Mo Salah's influence on the game. So I am concerned about this and I don't get why we're not allowed to say this about Tom, uh, about Zinchenko, I beg your pardon. Great footballer, brilliant in possession, brilliant on the ball, offers you so, so much. But defensively, he is a weak link in this Arsenal side. And everyone can see it. Mikel Arteta can see it too, which is why he's tried to get creative with the left-back situation. It's why he brought someone in that was a a versatile defender that could potentially play at left-back. Unfortunately, he's been injured. It's why he's utilised Tommy Asu in that position as well. Are we in a place where we could have done with Kieran Tierney now? Maybe, but, you know, hindsight is an easy thing to kind of go back to. And and we didn't know that both Tommy and Timber were going to be injured at crucial points um, in the season. I want to get some of your thoughts as well um, in the live chat on this. But it's not that I think we have a problem generally at left back. When you think about the options that we've got, which I've just explained and and what each of them brings to the table. I think generally speaking, we're okay. But when you lose two of those options, then all of a sudden we look quite thin there. And we've lost two of the best options for a game like a trip to Anfield or for a game like the one we played at Aston Villa. For games like that, I would would rank both Tomiyasu and Timber as better options than Zinchenko. For games like Brighton at home at the weekend, different story. I want to see Zinchenko play. For games like the one against Wolves, albeit he made a couple of mistakes that day, I want to see Zinchenko play. But you've got to take it with, you know, the context and you've got to look at each fixture in its own right. And we always said it, we said it last season, that Zinchenko defensively is vulnerable. So, you know, it's a shame now that the the, the only alternative option we have to him going into this game um, obviously, we've got we've got Brighton first, and I'm not dismissing that game. But the only option that we have, alternatively, is the one that's the least comfortable at making that transition from centre back to full back. Um, it feels like a major problem today. It might not be a major pro- problem in February. So, do we go out and address it in January? Probably not. I would say that the club will probably look at it and think, no, we just need to get through this period because we have obviously. Um, you know, those options to come back. But at this moment in time, it is an issue and it is a problem. And that's why I wanted to do a piece on it because it is something that concerns me. And, you know, one of the other ways of maybe addressing that, and I thought that Mikel might have done this uh, up at Villa Park, was maybe to sort of slightly adjust the midfield balance. Now, if you play, which we've tended to do in away games um, quite a bit, Obviously, Kai Havertz's form has been so good of late that I think Mikel Arteta probably felt that he couldn't afford to ignore him going into the Villa game. But, you know, a lot of the time this season, we've seen Rice and Jorginho play in midfield. And with Jorginho playing in that more central role, it does give Declan Rice, A, a bit of licence to get forward, but also a bit of licence to be able to kind of drift out to that left-hand side and support whoever it is that's playing at left-back defensively. So I just wonder if maybe that's the way to go for Mikel Arteta when we go to Anfield. I, I look at Jorginho and, and if I come up with one criticism for him, it'll be a lack of mobility. We talked about it before. Um, and maybe Anfield's not the best place for him necessarily, but I just wonder if Mikel Arteta will bring him in to try and adjust the balance of the side a little bit in order to help us protect that left-back position a bit better. 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's a really, really interesting discussion and um, one I'm keen to get you guys' thoughts on as well. Let's take this comment from Louis, who says, I agree that we need to sort the left-back position out, as Zinchenko has been looking a bit sus lately in his defending. Going forward, he's great, but sometimes he falls asleep during games costing us. Um, Nacho says that Tierney was so amazing for these winter worries and provided a different option. I'm still exasperated at why we let him leave, especially when we knew we had lost Timber. It's a good point, but I think a lot of that would have been pushed from Kieran Tierney's side as well. You know, um, he'd have been grossly unhappy with the fact that A, he wasn't playing, he was displaced by Zinchenko. And then, of course, Timber coming in, offering another option at fullback. And, you know, there were times last season where Mikel Arteta opted for Tommy Asu at fullback over Kieran Tierney, which kind of made him feel that he was too far down the pecking order already. Um, Tailwood Studio says the criticism Zinchenko gets is odd. It's understandable, but still odd. Imagine being a fullback, but the manager picks you as a striker and you get criticised for not being a natural goal scorer. Yeah, but I don't think anyone looks at Zinchenko and says, you're a crap footballer. That's why we don't want you playing at left back. Like there is context that needs to be applied to this, right? My view is that Zinchenko is as good a football technician as we have in the entire squad. Zinchenko for me is a midfield player. And when we play in games where we're comfortable and we're dominant and we're expected to have the ball, he spends most of his time playing as exactly that, a midfielder. Yeah, he drops into the back four at times when we're in a defensive phase of play. But generally speaking, he spends the majority of his time in midfield. He probably doesn't get the same amount of time in midfield if he isn't coming from left back, being that extra man, being that extra body, coming into those spaces a little bit later. But my criticism of Zinchenko is not to do with him as a footballer and his technical ability. I understand full well that he's been asked to play out of position, but that doesn't mean that I'm just going to accept him playing out of position and the problems that that causes us when we're going away to the likes of Villa and we're going away to the likes of Liverpool, because that doesn't put us in the best possible position to win games. And that's all I care about. That's all I care about. Hacker says Zinchenko is a soldier. He'll do what he's told without thinking about it too much, uh, in my opinion. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Um, Zek says that maybe Mikel will try placing a midfielder at left back like he did with Partey. I'm not sure. Um, Robert says play Zinchenko left back, but have Jorginho with Rice as a midfield too. That's what that's what I suggested. Yeah. Um, Kivior is a backup on the left side of centre-back in a four or three. I'm struggling to see what Zinni is. Um, Afsar says Timber may be back by March. I'm hopeful that Timber will be back a little bit earlier than that. Um, but, you know, when it's an injury like that, you just never know, do you? And when you've been out the game for such a long time, there's always a chance that you're going to suffer injuries around that as you're stepping up your recovery. So, for example, if you've not been doing too much movement, you're finally coming back into it, you can easily pull your groin, you can easily pull your hamstring, you can easily pick up other problems. Um you know, along the way. Um, Cesar says, Granite Xhaka at left-back sounds a better option at the moment. Uh, Benjamin says, uh, wild idea for Anfield. Gabriel at left-back with Rice as a John Stones-type centre-back stepping into midfield during possession. I just, I don't want to see our midfield without Rice or Partey in it at the moment. I think it's really, really weak. Really weak. Uh, just going back to um, the Tierney point, Wandering Minstrel says, don't blame Kieran for going or wanting to leave. Me neither. Me neither. Um, and that's why I'm not sitting there going, bring him back. Uh, Fuad says, Harry, what position would you prioritise in January? For me, it's the defence. 
For me, it's the midfield. Um, but that is, of course, dependent on how long we we think that Tommy Asu and Timber are going to be out for. Now, we don't have that information. Um, and that's um, that's what makes it really, really difficult to kind of try and gauge what the right thing to do is here. But um, to me, it's midfield. It's definitely not centre-forward. All the talk's been around centre-forward of late. But to me, the big, glaring, obvious problem that we have at Arsenal right now is in that left-back position. You know it. I know it. Everybody coming up against us knows it. And they're going to do their utmost to exploit that and expose that. So we've got to be really, really careful here. Uh, Godwin says, you are right, Harry. Zinchenko is our best technician and should be one of the eighths. We have to get another reliable left um, slash centre-back hybrid profile. Well, we've got that in Jurian Timber and we've got that in Tommy Asu as well. It's just unfortunate that both of those players are injured at the moment. So when we talk about squad depth, it can get to the point, right, where you're just asking for something that's impossible. You're demanding too much in terms of, um, you know, what these players or, or how many players it's feasible to stockpile. Um, and I get that, you know, I get that. But just in this instance where we've lost two of the main bits of cover that we have there, but not just the cover, two players that are different to Zinchenko. So, you know, sometimes you lose players of a certain profile that can upset the balance of a side and that can be a problem. Some of you are suggesting that Kai Havertz plays at left back. I don't think you're going to see that anytime soon. Um, and, and to be honest, that's not an experiment I want us to be um, to, to embarking on going into some of these big games. But listen, um, if you're not watching this live, if you're watching it on playback, please do get involved in the comments and let me know what you think on this. If you are watching us, uh, make sure you leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Um, there's no reason, given how many of you are watching, why we shouldn't have at least 100 likes on the board. For someone who said, I can't remember who it was, that I'm sitting in the gents, I'm not, I'm at the 90-min office, I'm in one of the um, recording booths at the moment, um, sneaked off for a bit of a, the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Um, get involved in the comments, leave a like, subscribe, all the rest of it. If you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review too. And we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the podcast. Until then, take care of yourselves and have a think about it. Have Arsenal actually got a problem at left back? Because I think currently we do. In the long term, probably not. But currently we do have an issue there. And I'm not quite sure what the best way of navigating through this next period of games is, given the issues that we have. Thank you for listening. As always, I'll catch you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>